Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Jesus Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower, earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens, in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. Hear the word of the Lord. And this morning we're looking at keep the unity of the spirit. I was trying to think about where I most often experience unity and disunity. And I don't know about you, but it's within my wider extended family. Um, we go away once a year as a, as a wider family because my brother and sister-in-law and kids live down south. Uh, um, and uh, we, we've just about honed it so that uh, we can cope with seven days all living in one house together. And everything is fantastic and we can have a fantastic holiday. Uh, one year we tried ten days and bad things happen after, after a, uh, irreparable damage can be done to our family if we spend more than seven days together under one roof. If it's that difficult as a family, imagine how difficult it is as a church family of which we are adopted into to keep the unity of the Spirit. Uh, This morning's sermon marks a bit of a change in pace for uh, the letter to the Ephesians. Uh, uh, So far, he's been looking at at the sort of the uh, reaffirming uh, our identity as Christians. Uh, This time, he he sort of switches from that to looking uh, at the practical uh, instructions, really practically, of how and what it means to live following Jesus Christ. And the first thing he chooses to focus on is keep the unity of the Spirit. So I'm going to look at three things this morning. First of all, keep unity. Secondly, don't be a baby. 
And thirdly, grow up. So firstly, keep unity. So looking at chapter 4, if you've got in your books or the Bibles, chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. It might be a bit of a surprise uh, to us who are used to the church meeting in many different denominations and styles that Paul's primary focus as he begins to look at the practicalities of living as a Christian is unity. Just look back at that passage. He says it's a unity that we already have. Verse 3, keep the unity of the Spirit. Keep the unity that you already have. He tells us what that unity which we all have is with his seven ones. Do you spot the seven ones? One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And he says this unity in verse 1 is central to the calling we have received. Not any particular individual calling to a role, but the calling we all receive as we follow Christ. I was trying to think of some illustrations on unity. Uh, and I thought, actually, let's do something very practical to show unity. This could be amazing or it could be horrendous. So there were four people who volunteered or were press-scanned into helping me with my unity illustrations. Do they want to come out? Nobody's ending up now. So, this looks really easy on the internet. Is that that right? Do you need to be closer, do you think? You want to take your seats? So, uh, you need to turn that way. You need to turn this way. You need to turn that way. And you all need to shuffle your chairs closer. (laughs) I think. Okay. Let's try it then. One, two, three. Lie down. (laughs) And you need to keep your feet on the floor. And they need to lean on your knees. How secure are you feeling? So what should be able to happen now is I should be able to remove a chair. <laughs> Let's try this one. <laughs> That's one gone. Hey! I might be able to move another chair. <laughs> That's two gone. Hey! 
Another chair. <laughs> and very quickly, before they all fall over, Jake. <laughs> Last chair. <laughs> Give a round of applause. <laughs> Did you get it? <laughs> Thank you very much. That's it for now. Thank you, guys. Sometimes, when we work together as a church, amazing things happen that you never felt were possible. Sometimes, when we do things together in unity, we can achieve stuff that we could never achieve on our own. Paul says to the church in Ephesus and to us, Keep the unity that you have by following in Christ. Be worthy of the calling you've received in following Christ. And Paul's very practical about this. He says it's going to be an effort. It's going to be hard, but you don't do it on your own. You are given grace through Jesus to allow us to do it. And through that grace, he asks us with some very practical instructions in verse 2 to be completely humble and gentle, to be patient, to be bearing with one another in love, and to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This church is, and I'm, I'm probably biased because I'm standing at the front of the dog collar, is one of the nicest church communities I have ever been part of. <laughs> there isn't any politics. People don't generally fall out into factions. Um, we just sort of get on with it. But I think this is a warning to us, as it was to the church in Ephesus, that as we grow as a church, as we welcome with open arms, if you're new in here in Christchurch, you're very welcome this morning, new people into our community, that we're careful to make every effort to keep the unity that we have. That we're not grumpy because where we usually sit, there's somebody new sitting. <laughs> that we don't make a thing about because the building's being used more in all different ways, and I'm very guilty of this, that everything isn't quite put back where it's supposed to be. Especially the front pews, people. <gasps> they need to come forward. <laughs> that we are patient with each other. That we are gentle. That we are humble. That we bear with each other as a huge family with all the tensions and the difficulties that potentially brings with love because Paul says unity matters and it's central to what he wants to say to the church in Ephesus and to us about following Christ make every effort to keep unity then secondly 
Don't be a baby. Verses 8 to 14, if you're following. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended high on the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ, gave the, sorry, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Paul gets a bit distracted in this, back into his theory um, in verses 8 and 10. I'm not going to say a lot about that. But basically he's saying that what the practical instruction he is doing, saying is in the context of the victory in Christ. That Jesus descended to the earth, was crucified and rose again and ascended to heaven. We're not on our own. This is not our self-help manual. This is a following Jesus manual that results in our transformation. He then goes on to list some of the gifts. He lists much others and practical gifts elsewhere, and we'll come back to those in the last point. And then we have this remarkable mixed metaphor uh, illustration in verse 14 of babies cast adrift on the sea. Ah! Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Who wants to be a baby? Nobody, Ralph. (laughs) (laughs) You want the bib as well? Yeah. Why don't you stand up? Nobody can see you, Tom. That would be. <laughs> oh, yeah, really working that hat. Much better than Graham did in the first series, I have to say. <sighs> then we will no longer be infants tossed about and torn by the waves, blown here and blown there. <laughs> by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. (laughs) A grown man, as a baby, looks ridiculous. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) but you do. (laughs) Coming to a Facebook page near you. But we also have to recognize that if you're a new Christian, it's all right to be a baby. There's a danger as a church 
that we just expect everybody who comes and is part of our family to be immediately mature and wise and, you know, an elder in the faith. But that's not how it works. If this is a healthy Christian community, we want people, and if you don't know Jesus, you're very welcome to be here this morning. We want people who don't know Jesus, who are just looking, who are here because they like the coffee or uh, want to find out more about this community and why we're here. We want people taking their first tentative baby steps. Uh, Tom was baptized last year, which is fantastic. It was a significant step. This year, in fact, there we are, yes, it is May. Uh, May. We want people taking those first baby steps with us who will be tossed about and, and will have to deal with stuff as God arise, arises in them. Not that you necessarily have to do that. <laughs> uh, uh, um, and we need to recognize that as a healthy community, we have people that all metaphorical and uh, real stages of development in their Christian life. And that that's a good thing. Tom, do say and sit down. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes, that's, that's, the, that's the benefit of being the preacher. You don't have to wear the illustrations. I've been in Christian communities where people are ostracized because they don't conform to that community's understanding of what being a Christian is. I want to say there is no Christchurch way of being part of this community. We as a community want to welcome all at whatever stage or just looking out at what Christianity might be. And we don't want to put huge expectations on people but recognize that we are a church family of all ages, physically and metaphorically following Christ. And it's all right to make mistakes here. It's all right to get it wrong. And it's all right if you're thinking about it or you're a brand new Christian to be a baby Christian. But as a community, we want to look out for you and we want to help you and all of us grow together. Finally then, grow up. Verses 15 and 16. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind and teaching, and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is in the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Jesus shows us what it means to be fully human, the fullness of humanity and how humanity was created to be with him at our head. The whole body is joined and held together by every sporting ligament and grows and builds itself up in love as each does its part.
Verse 11 lists some of the gifts. Um, and as I say, the, the other letters list other gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, which Christ himself gave. As a teacher, I stand here humbly aware that I'm not here to teach for my own benefit, but I'm given the gift to serve Christ Church's community. We're given gifts not to wear the badges and pompous and, and you know, have the role. We're given the gifts as servants to serve this community that all may grow. Verse 12. To equip people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. When I was training uh, as a, a vicar uh, in vicar school, people used to ask me why I was doing it. Um, to the world, it seemed a very strange thing to do, to give up a job and go back to university and uh, train to be a vicar. I used to quote that verse to them. I'm doing it to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We do this in love, Paul is keen to point out. Speaking the truth in love, we take responsibility for each other and become mature as a community. Time for another team-building illustration. Can I have my four people back? Working you hard today. Great, would you like to come and sit here? <laughs> Again, this looks really easy on the internet. We're not so sure whether <laughs> how easy it is. Uh, so we need uh, one person here, one person here, one person here, one person here. <laughs> I'm falling off the platform. So, uh, what we're going to do is pick you up using only uh, two fingers like that. Okay? Um, so, uh, in order to it, for it to work, the four of you have to be totally focused on each other and be able to do it in unity. So, be able to, to literally all together come in and two people under here, two people under there, sorry, yeah. <laughs> two people under there, okay, uh, two fingers under there, right? Um, so the way, one of the ways to do that is to, <laughs> yeah, just, just give them a bit of a slap. <laughs> one of the ways that they suggest to do that is that, is that, is that we go around and you each put a hand on the top and build them up, as you've seen in the video clip, I hope, um, and, then <laughs> and then I'll count to 20. So if you, if you stand this side, if you stand this side, um, and you start with your hand above his head, just, just like that, flat. And Jake, you put your hand just over it, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you put your other hand in. And I just separate them by about an inch. And just hold them there while we count to ten. One, two, 
See, and as you're going to do it, as we finish, you're going to pull them, put your two fingers in and lift them up all in one go. Is that all right? Okay, so let me count to ten. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And lift. Yay! <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you, Graham. <laughs> Working together, we can do things you never thought possible. Working in unity, we can lift things we never thought we could lift. Paul envisages that the body grows up with Christ as its head, the body, the church. That as we grow, we become, through the Holy Spirit, more like Christ. And that like it or not, we are mutually dependent on each other. Sorry, guys. Look around you. You are connected by the metaphorical ligaments to each other as part of Christ's church here in Newtown. And that every Christian who's following Christ is equipped to pay our part in enabling the whole body to function. We couldn't have lifted Graham with three people. There'd be a leg or an arm that just wasn't falling over. He'd fall over. But together, it was possible one of my hobby horses come out occasionally in my sermons is I get frustrated with Christians that say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't do church. Because I don't think in what Paul's saying, you could be a Christian that doesn't do church. In what Paul is saying, following Christ means being part of his body, which is the church. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Being a Christian means discovering the gifts God has given you and using them for the benefit of the church, of taking your role I can say from personal experience, there is nothing more fulfilling, more exciting, more amazing than following God in the role that he's given you in serving the body, which is the church. So can I encourage you, if as the nights draw darker and it gets rainier and gold and the hour changes and you don't feel like turning up to church, understand that you are equipped with a gift unique to you for this community here in Christchurch or whichever church you might regularly be part of. That in not turning up, this community loses out on something 
that you have to give it to help us all be more mature and to grow up in Christ. In conclusion then, for Paul, unity matters and it's centered on our call to follow Christ. It's practical, practically based. You're told it's going to require effort. You're part of a family. It's not always easy. But through humility, gentleness, patience, and love, through the empowerment and grace that God gives us, we can participate We need to recognize that we are all at different stages of maturity and that that's okay. It's okay to be just looking and enjoying being part of the community. It's okay to be a baby Christian. It's okay to be a toddler taking your first steps, a teenager, or a wise woman or man of God within this community. We need everybody it's also important to recognize that it's all of our responsibility to play our part so that we may grow up grow up to be the best version of ourselves that Christ created us to be grow up into maturity as we are joined together with each other ligament to ligament supporting each other binding us together in love going to finish with uh, three questions um, and I'm going to ask you just to, just to speak, chat to the people next to you in the part of practical unity of saying hello to the people next to you and also just to think about these questions uh, and then I'm going to pray for us and we're going to go on to our final songs thinking about this passage where either individually or collectively as a church Do we need to grow into maturity? What gifts, should be a big G, has God given you to enable this to take place? And what challenges do you need to watch out for? That that passage where it talks about infants being tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there. What things get in the way? And how can you combat them in taking your role? Whether that's sleeping in in the morning or something more serious. What stops us as a church becoming mature? So three questions. Where do you need to grow in maturity? What gifts has God given you to enable this to take place? And it may be others will recognize those in you that you might not recognize yourselves. And what challenges do you need to watch out for and how you can combat them? So just a couple of minutes, just talk to your neighbours and then uh, I'm going to pray for us and Tom's going to finish with our songs.